0: Um, do you know they say um, that you end up like your parents, and maybe you are a parent, or you uh, have been a parent, or maybe you're a teacher, and you find yourself saying and doing things that your parents um, did and said when uh, you were a child. And I find that as a youth worker, I'm not a parent yet, but I do find myself um, saying things that my parents and my teachers said to me when I was a kid. And often it happens at our Friday night youth club, um, and uh, I'll be saying to somebody, can you, can you get down off that, can you stop doing that, can you, can you do that please, can you pick up that piece of rubbish, can you stop kicking that person's head in please, all those kind of things. And when I say it, often the response is, why? And I find myself, and I'm almost like my mum and dad coming through my mouth as I say it, and I go, because I told you to, that's why. And that phrase as a teenager did my head in. A phrase wound me up because it's almost like this person saying, I don't need to give you a reason. I am the person in authority and you have to do what I tell you to do. And all of us, whether we call ourselves a Christian or not, we all have had and will have struggles with authority. And that phrase, because I told you to, that's why, is a phrase that none of us well, like. And today we are walking in the shoes of a guy who understood that phrase in a different way. Today our shoes that we are using is army boots, and thank you to Dylan Marshall for lending me his army boots. We are looking at a guy um, who is known as the Roman centurion. We don't know his name, but this guy had an encounter and a conversation with Jesus, and I think it reveals some interesting things around authority. It reveals some interesting things that I want to pull out today. You see, this guy understood the phrase because I told you to, and in an army context, in his context, he would have just done what he was told you see, a Roman centurion was typically in charge of around about a hundred soldiers; hence, the phrase "centurion." And interestingly, Romans, uh, the Roman soldiers, and, and the Roman people were considered to be the enemy of the Jewish people. And uh, the fact that Jesus has this really interesting conversation with them is slightly controversial. And I want to unpack that together. I want to look at it, um, and you know. Um, before we open up uh, the Bible to read what it is, I just want to say that some of the thoughts that I've got have been taken from a talk by a guy called Levi Lusco, who's a church leader in America, but lots of the thoughts are my own as well, and we're going to pick it up in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 8. And let me just say, the Bible is not one book, it is lots and lots of books, and in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and um, these guys are writing down uh, what Jesus did, and it's all about Jesus. And when these guys were writing this stuff down, they weren't thinking to themselves, I I'm writing the Bible. They just got together and they thought, you know what, we're getting on in age. We knew what it was like to walk in Jesus' shoes because we walked alongside him. But there's going to be people that come after us that didn't walk with Jesus and didn't know what it was like to walk in his shoes. So they wrote this stuff down so that we today, 2,000 years later, can understand what it was like to walk in his shoes. And this is an interesting moment. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 8. It's going to come up on the screen and it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, My servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Now I've never struggled with being paralyzed, I've never been paralyzed, but you know when you um, when you are having a dream and there's that moment where someone is chasing you, or something's coming at you, and it's like you need to get away, you know you need to run, but all of a sudden you feel like you can't run, and you can't move, and you can't get away from it, and, and that, that state is known as sleep paralysis and it's horrible, isn't it? Because you just want to get away. And then all of a sudden, you wake up and you like bolt up right in bed. Or you accidentally kick your wife in bed. Or you, you do, I do this all the time. I go, ugh. Like, it's horrible in that moment where you come around and you're like, oh, it was just a dream. It's all right. You see, I cannot imagine. That is an awful moment. And I hate it. And it's horrible. And it feels so like awful inside. I cannot imagine what it would be like to be permanently paralyzed. But this guy is going through something incredibly painful and awful and what is interesting we can pick up from the character of this centurion is that he is a he is a leader and a person in authority who has compassion over those who are under his authority You see, he's not coming to Jesus and meeting with Jesus on his own behalf. He's coming on behalf of somebody who he has authority over. You see, he is a leader who has compassion. We learn a little bit about his character just by looking at those two first verses. But as we move on, it says, Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Now, that's a little bit interesting of why would he say that. You see, the Jewish people had a name for anybody who wasn't a Jew. And that phrase, that name was Gentiles. Anybody who, didn't, who, who wasn't part of the Jewish nation was a Gentile. And uh, so this Roman centurion would be considered a Gentile. And the Jews believed that if they went into the home of somebody who wasn't a Jew, they themselves would become unclean. It's kind of like when you when you were at school and you knew that one person who had nits and you knew that if you went near them, you would instantly feel unclean. Some of you are already scratching your heads at the thought of me mentioning the word nits. But you know, that moment where you came into contact with them and you're like, I need to go home and wash my hair now because I feel like I've got nits. Like, it was like that, but on a bigger scale and much, much worse. And let me just say that that kind of attitude is really, really ugly to God. Do you know, for, for us and for Jesus, it doesn't matter the colour of your skin. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what has gone on in your life, it doesn't matter your sexuality, it doesn't matter which political party that you vote for, we are all equal and lovable to God and you know here at Life Central Church we want you to know that you are welcome here, that we want you to belong no matter your background, no matter your beliefs, no matter your experience of church, we want you to know that you belong here And Jesus was pushing against this stuff as well. And as we move on, the centurion has some other things to say. He says to Jesus, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And some of you are thinking, I wish my kids were like that. Um, But this this is fascinating because... The centurion calls something out of Jesus that he's never seen done before. See, up to this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus has been present in the room for every miracle that's gone on. He was there at the wedding in the room when Jesus turned water into wine. He was there on the hill when he fed 5,000 people. Jesus has been geographically present in every miracle. But yet, this Roman centurion, who we don't know whether he follows Jesus or not, he comes to him and says, yeah, but you could do a long distance miracle. Like, if you say the word here, I believe that this person could be healed all the way over there. You see, he calls something out of Jesus that he's never done before. And he says, just because you've never done it before, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. And guys, I want to say to you, just because you've never seen Jesus do it before, it doesn't mean that he can't do it. Just because you've never heard Jesus speak to you, it doesn't mean that Jesus can't speak to you this morning. Just because you've never seen uh, God work through you into somebody else's life, it doesn't mean that he can't do that. Just because you've never seen your friends or family come along to an Easter production or, or a Christmas production or Alpha, it doesn't mean that Jesus can't do that. Just because you've never seen Jesus do it, it doesn't mean that he can't. And this Roman centurion, who doesn't—we don't know whether he's a follower of Jesus—comes to Jesus and he says, "Yeah, Jesus, you could do this, right?" And I think sometimes we we need to have the freedom to go to Jesus and go, "Jesus, I've never seen you done this, do this before, but but I reckon you could. I want to have the faith to believe that." And what's interesting is Jesus then it, it says in the next bit it says when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I think it's pretty impressive to amaze Jesus. Like, Jesus kind of part of the team that created the world. Like, kind of God in human form. Like, fed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fishes. Like, imagine imagine trying to amaze Jesus. But this is one of the only moments, uh, one of only two moments in the Bible where Jesus is amazed. Some translations say that Jesus marveled at their faith. Um, but you see, there's two moments. This moment... And another moment that Jesus was amazed at lack of faith. You see, I think when we fully trust in Jesus, when we fully believe that when we lean into Jesus and believe that he can do it, not just sing it on words on a screen, but live it out, I think it's amazing to Jesus. And we see that in this. And if we move on, he turns to the Jewish people and he said to those following him, truly I tell you I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith, this is like shots fired from Jesus, like he turns to the people who are called the Jewish people, the people who are supposed to know about this stuff and he says in all of you I haven't seen as much faith as I see in this guy who you call a Gentile, and it's kind of like somebody coming into church for the first time and sitting on the front row and Jesus saying, this person here, they love and follow me closer than you have who's come for 20 years. Like for, for me, I would be like, wow, that's a challenge. I need to step up my game. And Jesus is saying to the, to the Jewish guys, like, you need to step up your game here because this guy gets it and you need to get it as well. And then going on through the story, um, it says, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. Now, I don't know, and the Bible doesn't tell us whether the servant knew what the centurion was going to do. Like we don't know that the servant had asked, whether the servant had asked the centurion to go and find someone to help him. But let's imagine that the servant didn't know anything about it, and he thinks the centurion's just gone out to get like a, a you know a pint of milk or something. And imagine that moment being in the room, imagine walking in the servant's shoes, is that you don't know what's going on, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you are completely healed. Out of nowhere, you can suddenly move. Out of nowhere, you can run around your room. Out of nowhere, you can dance and jump up and down and go mad. Imagine what it was like being in that house. Imagine the confusion, but the sheer joy. I think it's incredible. You know, people who say the Bible is boring need to get a life and read it properly. Because I think, like, when I hear this stuff, I think, man, it's so exciting and so amazing. And, you know, there's loads of stuff that we could focus on, there's loads of stuff that we could pull out of it. But I want to just go back to verse 9 and look at this. It says, But just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. You see, this is a guy who understands authority. You see, he understands what it means to be in authority, and he knows what it is to be under authority. And like I said earlier, often authority is not a word or a notion that we enjoy. Often that's why we ask the question, why When we're told to do something, we want to know why. We want to know whether we can trust that person. We want to know what the reason is for us doing as we're told. We want to know whether we can trust the authority over us. And this guy, I think this guy has authority over people because he knows how to be under it. You see, I really believe that that how you respond and how you are under authority will determine the level of authority that you have over other people. And maybe you're sat there going, yeah, but I don't have authority over anyone else. Like, I know I'm under authority because, you know, my parents tell me what to do or my boss tells me what to do or, you know, the council tell me what to do. Well, I don't think I've got any authority. What if we looked at authority like influence? All of us have influence on other people. All of us have, and I think if you have influence, you have authority in people's lives. And if you're able to, to influence people, you are able to have authority. And I think, you know, we, we love... Uh, to be inspired we love these instagrammable quotes to tell us to go out and change the world and and be the change that we want to see and I think when we when we look at authority like influence and realize that we all have influence on others and we're all under the influence from others I think it can help us learn how to be under authority and I think we have more influence when we understand what it means to be under authority And what I want to do is uh, bring just two main points, really, uh, for us to look at. And the first point is this, that God is the author of authority. You see, you can't spell authority without the word author. You literally can't spell it. Look at the screen if you need to. Um, You see, in your life, you will and will have encountered authority that has driven you mad. Encountered authority that's rubbed you up the wrong way, teachers bosses, youth leaders, parents, councilmen, all that kind of stuff, you will have encountered leadership and authority that frustrates you. And you know, there'll be times in your life when you feel like authority is not right. And I'm not talking about when authority is abusive or harmful. If you have authority in your life that is abusive and harmful, you need to report it and go through the legal proceedings on that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when authority is just like we disagree with it, that it rubs us up the wrong way. And when we're in those situations, it can make us feel like ignoring them. It can make us feel like digging our heels in and being difficult. It can make us feel like pushing back. It can make us feel like telling them to do one. It can make us feel like slapping them around the face sometimes. And it won't surprise you that there has been times in my life where I have not dealt with authority well. There was a time uh, in a previous job, um, on two separate occasions, I text two separate line managers um, to tell them that I disagreed with the decision that they had made and how much of a terrible leader I thought they were like I was so brave and so convicted in my beliefs that I said I hid behind a text message rather than saying it to my face and thankfully i 've matured ever so slightly um, in that and i 've grown up and um, hopefully i won 't react like that again in the future, but I want you to know that when I say this stuff and when I, what i 'm speaking on is not i 'm not saying i 've got this nailed i 'm saying I continually need to nail this I continually need to get better at it i 'm not coming to you from a place of i 've got it sorted i 'm coming to you saying Let's work on this together. And um, Paul, who is a a guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he is writing um, later on after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the book of Romans to the Christians in Rome. And it's interesting that we're looking at walking in the shoes of the Roman centurion because you know uh, years after Jesus, um, the the church and the people following Jesus has moved to Rome. And these people in Rome are trying to figure out what they do and how they live for Jesus and how they how they walk like Jesus in their context. And Paul writes to the Christians in Rome, helping them out. And they're struggling with authority. They don't know what to do. And it says this in Romans 13. Paul says to them, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which god has established yeah but andy you don't understand what my boss is like you don't understand how he how he picks on me you don't understand what he's like he's terrible at his job andy yeah but andy you don't you don't know what my science teacher is like andy you don't know what my parents are like Andy, you don't know what that politician is like. Andy, Paul doesn't understand what it means to live in a world where Brexit is happening. Andy, Paul doesn't be, don't know what it's like to live in a world where Donald Trump is the President of the United States. You can read that and think that Paul doesn't get it. But let me tell you that Paul is writing to Christians who lived under the authority of Caesar Nero. Caesar Nero, at that time, was burning Christians alive. He knew what it was like to be under authority that was difficult. But he says to these guys and says to us, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. You see, God is the author of authority. And, you know, in my experience, being under-difficult authority in, in, in times when I have found it challenging, uh, working with uh, different line managers and other uh, situations where I've had difficult authority, the way that I've learned to respond is one of the things I do is I try and own what I can own. I take responsibility for what is mine to take responsibility for. If I make mistakes and I feel like authority has been difficult in response to that, I own and, and carry the, the, the mistakes that I make and I take responsibility for that or I try to at least I want to work hard. I want to work as hard as I can and represent myself and who God has called me to be as well as I can. I want to serve faithfully. Even when I don't agree with the leadership, even when I don't agree with authority, even when I find it hard, I want to, I want to do the best that I can in the role that I've been given. You know, Paul writes to other people, do everything as though you're doing it in, for the glory of God and for God himself. I want to respond like that when I'm under difficult authority. You see, the centurion, I think, got to where he was because he was better at carrying out orders than he was at asking questions. And not all of us will be in a workplace like the centurion where it's, you know, you do as you're told and you crack on. You know, um, in our environment today, a lot of us will be in work environments where it's a bit more collaborative with those that we we are line managed by. We work more with teachers. We kind of collaborate more. And, you know, I wonder whether if you find yourself in difficult authority... I wonder what it would look like for you to walk in their shoes for a moment. Maybe you're struggling with your line manager at work. Maybe you're struggling with your teachers at school. Maybe you're struggling with a landlord or or a certain politician. Let's just take a moment to think about what it what it is that they carry. What's what's going on in their world? What's the stress that they're under? What's going on in their personal lives? You know, I've been doing uh, some sessions helping people to deal with difficult behavior when it uh, comes to being a youth leader. And one of the things that, that we say is that when you, fail to have, uh, when you fail to understand somebody's story, you fail to have compassion. See, when we understand people's stories, we can have compassion. And when we understand what it's like to walk in their shoes, when we understand what it is that they're carrying, we can have compassion and understand that maybe that day that that boss had a go at you out of nowhere, maybe it was something more going on. Maybe there was something difficult going on in their life. And, you know, I've found in my own leadership and working with Leon, our senior pastor, who's my line manager, and working with him, I've found that the more that we've understood each other, the better our relationship has got. The more I've understood how he's wired, what drives him mad, what, what makes him happy, all those kind of things. The more I've understood that, the more I've under- walked in his shoes, the better our relationship has got. And, you know, I've found it with me as a leader with some of of the young people that would be a few years ago where some young people wouldn't like me and would say, you know, Andy, I just don't get on with you. And actually, we spent a bit of time walking in each other's shoes and understanding each other. And they understand me more and I understand them more. And hence, our relationship has improved and we walk forward together. And how can I talk about authority without talking about what is going on in our nation right now? You know, Paul writes to a young church leader called Timothy, and he says this, he says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Guys, we need to be praying for those who are in authority, not just our teachers and our line managers. We need to be praying for our politicians. You know, I understand less about Brexit as the days go on, but I just know I've got to be praying for the politicians. Doesn't matter whether you voted in, out, or shake it all about, we need to be vote, uh, praying for our leaders. You could not pay me enough money to walk for a day in Theresa May's shoes. And no matter whether you voted Conservative or not, we need to be praying for our politicians. I feel so sorry for the lady and I really am praying that God would you move in these people's lives. Would you move in our nation and you know if you want to if you want to join us in praying on the 28th of March the information is in your bulletin you can join us for a prayer event. It was supposed to be the night before Brexit. Who knows what it means now. We don't know what it means but we know that we need to pray for those who are in authority. And interestingly, it says there in the second half so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. You know, I think when we pray for those who are in authority over us, it stops us getting bitter. It stops us carrying the hate and the pain and the anger that we have towards them. And Joanna Weaver says this. She says, if I can have the next slide, bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You see, when we find... Uh, authority challenging when we've got a teacher doing our in when our line manager drives, our, drives us mad it can be that we're getting bitter and that we're getting wound up and, and it's almost like we're drinking a poison and waiting for them to die see bitterness all it does is do harm to you and when we pray for those in authority over us we uh, it stops us getting bitter the second point that I want to focus on, and, Band, if you want to make your way back up to stage, that would be great, is that God is the ultimate authority. You know, no matter what happens with Brexit, God is in control. No matter what happens in the next general election, whenever it is, God is in control. Whatever happens in your workplace, God is in control. Whatever happens in your school or college, God is in control. You see, God is the ultimate authority. He's not just the author of authority; He is the ultimate authority. And you know, I've uh, I've got an iPhone. Um, I uh, have an iPhone eight i think i can't remember what it is um but you know most most of us will have a uh, some smart smartphone or some um description and other models are available but i'm an apple person and i have an iphone and um i've got lots of different apps on there you know i've got the liverpool football club app i've got instagram i've got all these different apps on there and you know, we might have the same make and model of phone but our phones would look different when we loaded them up because the apps that you put on them might be different to the apps that I put on them and you know I might have apps that you would never want and vice versa but there are certain apps that Apple won't let me delete there are certain apps that they say if you're having an Apple phone you've got to have that app on this phone one of those apps weirdly is stocks why on earth do I need stocks I'm a youth worker, I work in church. Why do I need to know how the footsie is doing? I don't. But Apple is the ultimate authority on my phone. Apple say, I have to have that app. So if I want an Apple phone, I've got to have it. And for a moment, I want to speak um, candidly to those of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus. If you're not a Christian this morning, you can, you can sit back until you get a free pass on this. And if you're sat next to a Christian, maybe you can say, you've got to do this. Because, you know, there are some things that are just obedience issues. There are some things, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, that we have just got to come under the authority of God, are You know... I wish that the Bible didn't teach certain things there are things that I wish Jesus didn't say that it would be so much easier to be a follower of Jesus if he didn't say that but he did and I'm called to come under the authority of God maybe there's some obedience stuff that you need to come under you know Jesus said himself if you love me then obey my commands if you love me come under my authority maybe you've been pushing back on God's authority in your life Maybe there's some stuff that you've been compromising on. Maybe there's some stuff that God's been asking you to do and asking you to step into. Uh, Maybe there's a call that God's put on your life and you've been pushing back and going, "No, no, 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 no. Maybe today you need to step back under the authority of God. You know, the centurion said, say the word and it will be done. What's the word that Jesus needs to say to you today? What's some perhaps changes that you need to make in order to live and walk under the authority of God? I want to invite everybody to stand to their feet, all of us. And together, whether you're a Christian or not, I want to invite you to just one last time walk in the shoes of the Roman centurion. Here's a guy whose servant is suffering terribly, it says he's paralyzed, he's in pain he's frustrated he doesn't know what to do and the centurion is worried he doesn't know where to turn he's worried that his servant is going to die he's worried for the loss of somebody that he cares about and he's heard some rumours about this fella called Jesus he's read some stuff on Facebook he's heard it on Twitter he's seen some people's Instagram stories of him preaching he's heard these rumours that Jesus can heal people And he goes, maybe he'll help. And he goes and he seeks some out. And he says, Jesus, this is my situation. If you just say the word, I believe it can change. If you just speak into it, I believe that something can happen. I wonder whether some of us need that word today need Jesus to speak into our circumstances need Jesus to speak into situations that we find ourselves that we felt desperate we felt worn out we felt like we don't know which way to turn and we're saying Jesus I need a word from you today I need you to speak into this I need your perspective on it I need you to change it I need you to heal I need you because there is power in your name and there's power in what you say Jesus would you speak into this maybe that's you this morning and as we sing our final song in a moment you maybe want to pray that prayer and and speak to God on it and, and say to Jesus I need you to speak into it but I want us before we sing our final song together I want us to to pray for a particular group of people and that is people who find themselves in difficult situations with authority at the moment maybe it is a difficult line manager at work maybe it's that you're struggling to understand why your your parents are saying certain things to you maybe you're struggling to understand why teachers are saying certain things maybe it's with politicians maybe it's with the law i don't know but i know that you will know that you are struggling with authority right now and as i was praying about this i felt like there's some people who were watching the videos around walking in their shoes and they're watching them going i would love to live my faith out in my workplace just can't get past this my workplace is so tough right now i want to pray for you this morning so the way i'd like to do that is i want to invite everyone to close their eyes just not as a magical thing but just as an opportunity to give people some privacy and if that's you and you want to say yeah i'm struggling with authority and i want to respond to that and i want i want to pray into that i want to invite you to take a seat just sit down and say I'm choosing to come under this authority I find this really hard and I'm struggling at the moment with it but Jesus I need you to speak into it so if that's you I want to ask you to just grab a seat and then I want to pray for you Jesus I pray for those people that have taken a seat and are saying, I'm struggling right now, Jesus, I pray that you might give them the strength, the humility, and the wisdom of how to come under that authority which feels wrong at the moment. God, we pray that you would speak into those circumstances. God, would you show them a way? As we sung your word as a lamp unto my path, God, would you illuminate the darkness that feels like it's surrounding them? Would you help them to take a step forward? Jesus, I pray that you would be with them and you would help them to know that you are the ultimate authority, that whatever happens, you are in control. And Jesus, for all of us, I pray, we might be people who respond well to authority God we might not find ourselves in difficult authority right now but God I pray some of the stuff that you've challenged us on and deposited in us God it might rise up when we find ourselves in difficult uh, authority God I pray that we might walk in the shoes of the Roman centurion and understand greater what it means to be under authority and to have authority over people. And Jesus, we want to sing this song that says Jesus at the centre of it all. Jesus, we want to put you at the centre and we want to say you are the ultimate authority in our lives, in our workplace, in our homes, in our church. You are the ultimate authority. And Jesus, we want to come under that. So, Jesus, I pray as we sing this together and as we respond that you might continue to move amongst us. Amen.